encourage you to wrap your arms around how you're actually feeling, to give yourself permission to grieve what is changing, even if what is changing is good. Life, as we continue to evolve, is also a series of things ending. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Well, welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. It's your gal, Carly. You know, over the weekend, my father was cleaning out some old paperwork and he presented me with a couple manila folders of old documents back from my high school and college days. (laughs) And I'm leafing through these old handwritten report cards, which definitely made me feel older. There was prom photos in there and college essays. And I was reminded of two things. Number one, Turned out I wasn't as good of a student on paper as I remember myself being. (laughs) If you had asked me, I would have told you that I was a mostly A student. And sure, I got some A's, but the facts were actually pretty clear. I got plenty of B's and C's and even some D's sprinkled in there. And you know what? It brought me a lot of pride. And I'll tell you why in a moment here. But the second thing that I, that I noticed as I was paging through these, these old documents was that I have been writing about the courage it takes to be fully ourselves since I was a teenager. (laughs) So I went through this old college essay from September of 2000. So that's 20 years ago when I was a freshman in college and I had written this paper from the perspective of my red sneakers. And if you know me, you know I have got a weakness for bright red sneakers. And my sneakers said this exact line in the essay. They said, She recalled being younger and happier in school when she was carefree and expressive of her thoughts. She decided to rediscover her passions. I lay on the floor beside her when she made the conscious decision to be herself again. And now, right, more than 20 years of living into the fullness of who I am, getting scared, playing small, (laughs) then rediscovering my confidence, trying again, getting knocked down, getting scared, playing small, repeat, repeat, repeat. I've learned a lot of things. But one of them is something that I really want to touch on with you today because I'm watching this come up again and again within my private coaching practice, which is when you decide to honor yourself, it is normal to look around and discover that you no longer fit into the places you once tried to squeeze into. And so maybe you've made some shifts and some changes, and now you're looking around at your colleagues or your team or your friends or your family, your social circle, and you're realizing that you're just not a match for these folks in the same way that you used to be. Or as you're beginning to treat yourself a little bit better, you might notice that other folks aren't offering you the same level of support that A, either you offer them or B, you actually need in order for your relationship to feel balanced. 
So when this happens, some clients tell me how lonely and isolated they begin to feel when they recognize that maybe their group actually isn't their group anymore. And other clients tell me that they just begin to get a lot more clear about how much they've had to do sometimes for years in order to lift everyone up. And they're exhausted by just thinking about having to do that anymore. And others, they're just feeling the pain and discomfort of being clear that maybe these folks aren't their folks anymore, but then where are their people? Am I going to be alone now? It's actually an interesting phenomenon as we start to get clear about who we are that, that we can then wonder, do I fit in anywhere? So if you are outgrowing your circle, it might look like some of these. It might look like you're beginning to expand and you're noticing that the size or the beliefs or the support offered by your circle needs to expand too. So today we're going to go over three very specific things. First, we're going to talk about what outgrowing your circle actually looks like, like pragmatically. One thing that really sabotages our sense of belonging, and then, of course, what to do about that. And then finally, we're going to go through the four-step process of finding the people and support that actually serve you. We're going to talk about how you create lasting belonging, and who doesn't want a sense of belonging right about now? So today's episode is brought to you by the women in the Reclaiming Time studio. They have become such a lifeline for each other. And for me, it is so powerful to work with a group of women that dare to be courageous and vulnerable together and have each other's backs. So if you are finding that you're outgrowing your community, you might want to come apply to be in the Reclaiming Time studio. We're opening the doors for two weeks in the middle of August for our last class of the year. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So if it speaks to you, come see what it's like to be part of a sisterhood that has your back. All right. So I found that for myself for a long time, even as an adult, I never quite fit in. I couldn't quite find my niche. I knew that I loved working in corporate environment. I loved working with mainstream type of folks. I love a good Excel spreadsheet. I like data research, organization, and I love to be barefoot running in the grass. I love to be hanging out, talking with people about the things that nourish our soul. And I I never wanted to be too much of one thing. And I couldn't quite figure out what my place was. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you're like me and you know that there are lots of type A women. You know them, right? They're super career driven. They get their stuff done. They have awesome professional successes and either their health or their relationships or both are suffering. Right. So their careers getting all their mojo and everything else is kind of falling by the wayside. And maybe that doesn't really interest you. And then, of course, we all know women who are like, hey, OK, with the status quo. I always had friends that were just fine with having a job that doesn't really allow them any growth opportunities. They were like, hey, OK, with that. They get the job when they were, you know, 20 years old and they they stick with it and they can barely scrape by on health insurance. Their car is always falling apart. But they do have great relationships. They're incredibly present and loving. And I knew that there had to be a way for there to be both, right? I was looking for women that were both self-driven and also valued their health and relationships. I knew that they had to exist somewhere. And I kept wondering why I didn't fit in into either of those categories. So if you are having any relatability around this, let's talk for a little bit about what outgrowing your circle can look like. It often looks like you 
are beginning to come home to yourself. You're starting to get a little bit clearer about what does and doesn't work for you right now. And as we start to get clearer about who we are and what we care about, sometimes there can be a stark contrast between where we are and who we're surrounded with and where we actually want to be and who we want to be surrounded with, right? So if you're feeling any of this, the first step is just to notice it. So like, let's give some examples here. Maybe you're like one of my clients, I'm going to call her Terry, that's not her real name. And she told me recently that she's noticing that her friends just do not offer her the same support or encouragement that she offers them. And now she's got a new business idea and she's really noticing it because when she talks about her new idea, her friends are nice about it. Like they're not being hard on her. However, they don't really ask any follow-up questions. They just say things like, oh, that's nice. And then they move on to talking about their day or what's going on in their world. They never follow up about it. They never ask her how it's going. She has to always be the one bringing it up. And then when she does, it's really short-lived and she's finding it's really deflating. She's finding that she doesn't even want to talk with them about it anymore because she knows their response is going to be minimal at best. Now, if that's relatable, we did a whole episode, episode 14, on how other people talk to you and the types of relationships that actually elevate you. So there's a framework for knowing the types of people that actually elevate you. But first, I just want to throw out Terry's example, right? That maybe you're hatching a new idea around your career or your health or your relationships, and you're just noticing that as you bring that idea forward, that it's falling flat in the hands of those around you, or you're not even comfortable bringing it up with them at all because you're just expecting that you're going to walk away feeling disappointed and less energized about your own possibly good ideas, right? But here's another example. Maybe you're like a client of mine, we'll call her Christina, also not her name, who left a career working for a large company. And that company always told the employees that they're like family. There was a lot of family talk and they would sign off all their staff emails with love, you know, love so-and-so. And when she gave notice at that organization, they suddenly shut her out. It was all that warmth that was always preached and talked about suddenly got icy cold. In fact, they even asked other employees to pick sides. They were either going to be with the company or they were going to be with Christina. And she felt shunned and she was heartbroken because she had built up most of her social interactions at work. And so when she was ready to switch careers, not only was she losing the career that had been hers, By choice, she was actively made the decision to enter someplace new, but she also suddenly lost her circle of social friends. And you don't need me to tell you that sometimes making friends as an adult can be a trick of business, right? We were not taught how to do that. And again, that's still one of our highest ranking episodes, episode number two on, if nobody really gets you, how to make adult friendships that absolutely exist too. But first, I want to start here right now. So if you can relate to Terry's experience of just friends not having her back, not offering her support or encouragement at the same level she offers it, or just suddenly feeling like you're cut out from people if you do dare to speak up, that it's kind of in or out, they're either with you or they're not, there's not a lot of room for gray space or middle space. If any of that is relatable to the sense of growing out of some of your relationships, then the first step is not to jump in to new relationships. And here's why I say that. Women who have healthy, long-term communities with them, first, they know a little bit about who they are. 
See, when they feel felt abandoned or no longer connected to others, they first start by promising not to abandon themselves. They reconnect to who they are in small ways and begin to figure out what serves them so that they know what kind of people they actually want to connect with next. If we don't pause here and feel the feelings of evolving, we're not actually going to evolve, right? We're actually going to dead end. We're going to go back to our comfort zone. We're going to end up finding relationships with people that were actually very similar to the relationships we used to have because those are what we know to look out for. So this is actually a really important moment here. Permission to feel the grief of growing. And isn't that an interesting phrase? I've come to find that every time I evolve, every time I level up in my career or in my relationships, that there's also something that feels like a death, even when it's by choice. Even when I'm excited about the new thing, it does mean letting go of something I've known or a way I've identified myself or a place I felt safe in before, right? And so if you're there, I extend tenderness to you. I encourage you to wrap your arms around how you're actually feeling, to give yourself permission to grieve what is changing, even if what is changing is good, right? Life, as we continue to evolve, is also a series of things ending. And it takes courage to sit with that, right? This is an incredibly vulnerable spot to be in. We are hardwired to want to connect with other people. And so to not feel that connection can be a real pain point. And I want to give one last example about that. I have a great client who just before COVID had a scheduled surgery. So she went in for a scheduled surgery and she would have had to have been kind of laid up in bed for a few months, regardless of COVID, kind of laying low. But then with that on top of it all happening at the same time, as she was healing and able to begin walking again, it was the same time that the world was starting to open up where she lived. And so she went to what she thought was going to be her first social gathering of just a few close family members. She was nervous about being out in the world for the first time. She's concerned about her health and really wanting to take care of herself. And having spent so much time not being well, she knew she didn't want to go back to that. But when she got to the family event, it turned out they had invited a bunch of other people people that she likes, but she just didn't feel safe there. And she knew who she was. She knew that she was a woman who was dedicated to taking care of herself. And so she decided to tell her family, look, I love you guys. I'm so glad I was here with you for a little bit. I'm not comfortable with more people coming. Enjoy your afternoon. I'm going to go home. Let's talk more later. Right. And her family was really shocked to see her go. She had never said no so clearly. And she wrote a message to me and, and a bunch of us in a coaching group that I have. And she said, you know what? It's interesting. I felt really proud of myself. I got in the car. It was just so easy to speak up for myself now that I've gotten clear about who I am. However, now I'm home and I'm excited and I'm inspired by my actions and I'm sad and I feel alone and I feel scared, and I want to dance, and I couldn't wait to share this good news with you guys, and I feel shaky. Everything she said was true. The act of finding community that gives us life is not for the faint of heart. And so I applaud your courage in even exploring and acknowledging that the group that might have once been your group may not be fully it anymore. And the amount of vulnerability you might be feeling is 
legitimate. So let's talk here about what sabotages our sense of belonging, right? Because if the first step is just to notice, okay, maybe there's something here that I'm ready to upgrade. Maybe there's something about these relationships that I'd either like to modify or I'd like to find new relationships altogether. Let's talk about what gets in the way of that, because that's really important. We don't want you to inadvertently go back out and repeat the same cycles. We've all done that. We've all done things that we repeated again and again. So if we can avoid it, let's do that. Having women to talk to that can understand, you know, what I'm going through, especially the business part. I think that's really the big shift, having that tribe there. There's so much wisdom, collective wisdom that has come out of this group. I'm grateful for the opportunity that I've been given to be a part of this group. It's always helped me grow and to continue evolving as a human being, as a professional. Um, And for that, I'm eternally grateful. A part of what feels very authentic about our group is that I don't sense any level of comparison or competition. Everybody is so supportive and supported in exactly where they're at and celebrated for that. These are the voices of real women in the Reclaiming Time studio, the group coaching program I run that guides career-driven women that own their own businesses from being people-pleasing, rule-following, overachievers that secretly feel behind and know that they're capable of more. To finally having the time and energy to get to what you care about without feeling pulled in 10 directions ever again. We use proven methods and sisterhood that gives you the resources, clarity, and confidence to have the best career relationships and health of your life. But I want to say this. If all the change that has happened during this time of COVID is on you like heat on a jalapeno, maybe we should talk for a moment. Because Reclaiming Time Studio was important before all these global shifts. It took real gumption to have clarity and boundaries and a solid professional plan that could evolve as quickly as our economy was. So now it takes like some next level ninja skills to have the time and energy and framework to get to what you care about so that you can both make progress and enjoy what's good in the present moment. So if you run your own business and you want to increase your earnings and your nourishment at the same time, or know a woman that does all while having more space in your days for what gives you life, then head on over to carlyfane.com to get the full scoop and apply. Doors open on August 10th and enrollment will close by August 21st. We only take 20 women because the secret to my professional success is that when others go big and wide and fancy, we go deep and intentional together. It was worth every dime I paid for it, and it changed my life. Now, Brene Brown has really interesting research that's shown that we as human beings are hardwired on a biological level for belonging. We want to belong. It is essential to our survival, right? Back when we might have lived in small communities, we needed to belong. If you were, you know, banished from the community, you might not survive on your own. If you couldn't make shelter and boil water and go hunting and, you know, create clothing, you might not have lived by yourself. We needed to be with each other. And so it's part of our essential DNA wiring to want to belong. But what's also fascinating is that from a researched point of view, the opposite of belonging is fitting 
in. Brene has this great line. She says, fitting in is assessing and acclimating. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about that. When we try to fit in, it means, hey, I should talk like this, and I should only talk about this topics, not about those topics, and I should dress this way, but not that way, or else I'm not going to quite fit in. And I'm going to like these movies, or I'm going to talk about this music, or I'll hang out with these activities and these people in order to be appreciated, right? In order to fit into this place where I can be part of a community. That in and of itself is destructive to who we are. The process of fitting in is asking ourselves to change who we actually are to have the illusion of acceptance. When I say the illusion of acceptance, what I'm talking about is that fitting in has always been a false sense of community. You've never fit in. (laughs) This is why you can have so many colleagues or friends or family members and still feel what we in my practice call popular isolation. Popular isolation, it's ranked, I would say, in my private practice among the top two symptoms of high-achieving women that I see that really gets in the way of their progress, right? So popular isolation is this phenomenon where you've got good friends or family or coworkers And yet you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. You feel secretly alone. And it's really perplexing because you've got social interaction, even if it's remotely. So you're checking off your social boxes. And yet you don't feel like you have anybody that you can meaningly connect with. So that's a number one symptom um, tied up at the top with not having enough time, right? So feeling like no matter how much you do, no matter how good your time management skills continue to improve, there's still not enough hours in the day to get to what you want, right? So whether you're feeling like you don't have enough time or you're feeling the sense of popular isolation, like you're secretly alone in the sea of people, we've got to first of all consider that not having enough time in your day or a sense of being secretly isolated, they are not signs that something is wrong with you. They are signs that you are too full, too meaningful, too passionate, so alive, so intelligent, so empathetic, so brilliant, so compassionate, that you could never fit into a one-size-fits-all BS box (laughs) if you tried. And we know that. Because you have tried. You have tried to alter who you are in order to fit in, and it never quite worked. And it's important to understand that this concept of needing to fit in, this is a patriarchal belief. This is a male-dominated way of working and being in the world where we all have to fall into these rigid roles or else. And it reminds me of that example I gave earlier of Christina and her job, where it's either you're with us or you're out right? You're either game for the way we see things, and if you don't see it this way, then we're going to ostracize you from the group, right? So in other words, if you haven't quite fit in despite your best efforts, it's because there is too much of you to fit into any given mold. And as Brene Brown said, true belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. And by golly, doesn't that take courage, right? Like it's nice to say, to read the memes that say, follow your heart, be who you are. And it's a whole nother thing to live it, right? It's a whole nother thing to say what my client gave it this example of, hey, this doesn't work for me. I'm gonna go home. 
I would rather be in my own good hands than to be in the company of people or a space that doesn't feel safe or supportive to me, right? So there has not been, in my experience, a box with enough curve, with enough space, with enough nourishment for the fullness of a human woman in our professional world. And trying to fit in, it's exhausting, right? (laughs) Like, you know that. So it's no wonder that when we're trying to fit in, we want to snap at people or we want to numb with, you know, online shopping or wine or Netflix or numbing through the art of judging other people. Because we all know how much easier it is to judge other people than it is to look at our own stuff, right? This is my theory upon why reality TV show does so well, because it's so much easier to judge other people's stuff than it is to sit with our own. So I just want to throw this out there that there has not been a space made to contain you because you were never meant to be contained. You were made to expand. So let's talk here for a moment about how to create relationships that allow you to belong. Because if the sabotage to belonging is trying to fit in, We want to make sure that you no longer have to fit into anything that you get to fill out, that we get to soften the spaces that were once meant to confine you and allow there to be permeability in the world, that your ideas, that your thoughts might flow out freely and be held safely in your own good hands and then in the hands of another, right? So our first awareness is here. If the sabotage is fitting in, right? If the way we accidentally mess up our ability to belong is trying to fit in, the first thing we commit to doing here, the women who find circles that understand them is they decide that they will never abandon themselves. That even if their circle may or may not abandon them or may or may not fully understand them, that they will delve deeper into holding themselves in their own good hands. So let's talk about the four-step process of finding the people and the support that actually serves you, right? And where it begins. So if we go back to Brene's comment that true belonging doesn't require you to change who you are, it requires you to be who you are, then the first step is learning a little bit more about what is true for you here and now in this moment. And specifically, when I say Figuring out who you are in this moment, I mean starting with the question about what gives me life? And this is where I'm going to get very practical and very pragmatic. We're going to take one of my lofty soul nourishing questions and we're actually going to weave it in to my deep desire for things to be organized, right? So watch how I weave part of who I am naturally, which is somebody who loves these nourishing, soulful conversations with structured professional support, right? So I want you to grab a piece of paper. I didn't make any handout for this episode because it couldn't be any clearer. You're going to grab a piece of paper and I want you to list down some of the things that give you life, right? What gives you a sense of being energized? What gives you a sense of feeling like yourself, right? So when I'm feeling in the zone, when I'm feeling on top of the world, when I'm feeling capable, What am I doing, 
And let me give you some examples of that. Like for me, when I am feeling in the zone, I feel a sense of timelessness. I feel spacious. And so an example of one thing I'm doing that makes me feel really spacious is once upon a time, I used to go sit in bookstores and I'd go in there with no agenda, no book necessarily to buy. And I'd get a bunch of books off the shelf that look good or do the same thing in the library. And I'd sit on the floor or on a chair in the side and I would just page through them. And that to me felt like luxury. It felt like spaciousness. It felt like room to expand and to learn and be curious. And most of the time I wouldn't buy a single book. <laughs> like I was a terrible customer on those days, right? I was just there for the sense of room. And so when I would give myself permission to be in a library or a bookstore, that is what felt open and expansive for me. That gave me a sense of life. Let me give you an example from a, from a client. One of my clients is telling me what gives her life, she lives over in Switzerland, is moving her body. But her body has been really tired lately. She's had to work a lot of extra hours running her shop in Switzerland. And so when she tried to get her body to do the normal workout routine she would normally do, she actually felt terrible about it. So when she checked in, what gave her life was just going for a simple walk or riding her bike gently. It wasn't a vigorous workout. So what actually gave her life in this moment was different than what gave her life a week, a month, or a year ago. And that's really important. So take a beat. If you need to pause this, go for it. I encourage you, if you're not doing it now, if you're just listening, to actively do this later. List out what gives you life. Put three or four or five or 10 things down on a piece of paper. Right. And if you have any questions about that, you know where I am. <laughs> Leave me a comment on social media and we'll talk more about this. So you're going to list down a handful of things that give you life. Now I want you to create a separate list. On this next list, you're going to list the activities and the people that are currently part of this week. Right. So these are the people that you're going to be talking to this week. These are the plans, the projects that you're working on this week. Give them a little list, just a brain dump. This is a quick and dirty exercise. So maybe you've got a meeting at two o'clock on Tuesday with Harold and on Wednesday you're getting a haircut and on Thursday you're, I don't know, you're cleaning up your, your living room, whatever you've got. Right. Write it all down. Quick and dirty, what's on deck this week? So now you're going to have two lists. You're going to have your list of what gives you life, and you're going to have your list of what's actually on deck for this week. And now I want you to go through the list of what's on deck, now that you're a little bit clear about what gives you life, through the lens of, does interaction with this particular person or doing this activity give me life, or is it taking life from me? Meaning, is it zapping your energy? Is it draining? Is it making you feel exhausted or resentful or not good? Does it not feel like what gives you life? So if it gives you life, you're going to put a little G next to it. G forgives. If it's taking life from you and not giving you much back in return, you're going to give it a T, right? As in taking. So go through your list of what's on deck and just for a moment, look at what gives you life. And look at what's taking life from you. Now, for a lot of high-achieving women, the first time we do an exercise like this, it can be a little sobering, right? If you look at your list and you're thinking, geez, Louise, I've got a lot of T's on here. I've got maybe some spots that are both a G and a T, and that's possible. Some things can give us life and require some energy at the same time. But if you're seeing very few or no spots that are just a G at all, take note of that. It means you have left 
who you are in favor of fitting in for a schedule that accommodates everyone else. And I'm going to say that again. If your schedule is mostly T's, it is because you have left who you are by the wayside in favor of accommodating the needs and requests of everyone else. And this is the shortcut to not belonging. This is the shortcut to popular isolation. And so I encourage you, as our final step in this four-step process, if step number one was listing what gives you life, step number two was looking at what's on deck, step number three are your G's and T's, step number four is to make sure that you have something Every single day, that is a G, as in it gives you life. Now, depending on what your actual life looks like, this might look like a 30-second exercise. This might look like deciding that you're going to have a G moment for three minutes in the shower. You're going to put on your favorite song, and you're going to sing it out while you're shampooing and conditioning, because that's the only moment you get to yourself, right? If you're a parent, and the only time you get after hard-earning guarding it is a shower to yourself then this this is your win, right? This is your G for the day. Or maybe you have time for a 30-minute G. If you love to paint or you love to go for a walk outside or you love to read books by a certain author, right? I want you to begin to schedule in something that gives you life every single day. This is essential because as we've already discussed, living into finding the place where you belong takes courage. And courage requires energy. It's really hard to have the energy to find the people or to call forth the people to you that are a match when your light is dimmed, when you're exhausted, when it's getting like maybe the leftover accidental energy at the end of the day, right? So we're going to begin, you're going to begin, should you be ready to expand your circle, to begin to expand your own tender appreciation of what gives you life first. That is how your light will begin to turn on. This is how people who also have lights turned on will know how to spot you because you will be the person in the room or the Zoom room or the podcast community whose light is on. Your eyes are open. You're that much more engaged. What gives you meaning, which gives you passion, what gives you purpose. You are meant to be around other people who have their light on. And it is much easier for them to spot you when you have begun to put the spotlight on yourself. So I want to know from you, here's my question. From this episode of everything that we've just discussed here together, if you only remember one phrase or one concept, either something that I shared or something that's bubbled up within you and aha that you've had from the inside out, what is it? Post your takeaway in a review on iTunes. And if you've never posted an iTunes review before, go for it. I'll put a link on how to do that. That makes a world of difference in helping other women to turn their lights on. Or bring it over to social media. Tag me on Instagram or Facebook so we can continue this conversation. I want to make sure that you are held in your own good hands. You belong in my community and you belong to yourself. Remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep honoring what you value, including yourself. And I will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. 
I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.